0: Hello and welcome to Nokia's Women in Technology series. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me. On this series, we're gonna be exploring a wide range of issues and topics affecting women in technology today and into the future. According to data from IDC, only 25% of women in technology said that they felt it was likely that they'd be promoted to executive management within their current company. Joining us today is Joanne Moretti, founder and CEO at J Curve Digital, and she's gonna be sharing her top five leadership tips for women in technology. So Joanne, thank you so much for joining us here on Nokia's Women in Technology series.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Tyler. It's just an
0: honor to be here. Excellent. Well, Joanne, I'm so excited to be kicking off this series with you today. And so let's dive into uh, into our first tip for women in technology, first leadership tip. Uh, we're starting with number five, build your personal network. So you've said in the past that your network is your number one personal asset. Why is that? Well, it's,
1: it's because it's helped me so much. It really is an asset, right? It's helped me land any opportunity that I've ever you know, gotten myself into any job, any new group, anything that I've really established, I've always established through my network. I mean, I'm a big social media person. I have a website. I do my marketing and and my digital campaigning and everything else like that. But at the end of the day, it was always my network that brought me into new opportunities. It was always my network that introduced me to new roles. Um, And likewise, I give back. The most important thing about your network is it's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. And if someone asks you for help, drop what you're doing and help them think about it for a second, right? It means they need help. Um, If someone's looking for a job, if someone's uh, trying to get a promotion in a company, take a few minutes out of your day every day and try to help someone. Because I'm telling you, the payback um, is enormous. And and not that you do it for the payback, but it happens, right? So it does become that two-way street. But every opportunity that I've received, whether it was a a new role and responsibility, or whether it was a lead for my own business today at J-Curve, it always comes through my network. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it.
0: So Joanne, for people that are hearing this, and what are some practical tips for women who would like to expand and grow their personal network? What are some ways that they can go about doing that? Well, it's,
1: it's not easy. Um, especially if you're a busy woman and you have both your work and your life to balance and other people's lives, your kids, uh, your, your spouse. Um, but I will tell you that you need to make time to uh, go to different um, events, particularly industry-related events. So I would say join associations that are within your industry. I would suggest that you should go to at least one conference a year Or a couple if you can within your given sort of domain of expertise. Um, Definitely participate if there's any local or community activities going on. One never knows who one will meet. Uh, I met Marianne Strobel from Nokia at, a, uh, at a, uh, an event, right? It, and uh, I was so glad for it, the Tech Titans event here in Dallas. So I will tell you that it is worth your while to invest and meet people. Don't be shy. It is the way to get out there and grow your network. And like I said, that network will become so valuable to you throughout your entire life. There's relationships that you'll build that you'll keep forever. And uh, and likewise, again, continue to provide help and support for others.
0: From what you've said so far, it seems really important to remain active within that network that you've built, right? Um, is that really the key to then leveraging it when you uh, when you when it does come time to uh, to look for a new opportunity and you want to talk to someone from your network? Just having been active and helping others throughout that time uh, is that really the key to? to effectively leveraging your network.
1: It really is. So I'll give you an example because I like real examples. Uh, I was uh, working on a role uh, trying to establish myself as the top candidate for the HP Sales University when we were building that in Plano, Texas. Um, and what I did was I looked into my LinkedIn network and I thought, who do I know? Who is at HP today that I know would provide a positive endorsement for me. And at the same time, give me guidance on how to navigate. I mean, sometimes the waters are a little bit choppy when you're trying to uh, secure a new role or you are you don't quite know the, you know the company well enough. Learn about the company, learn about the people and do that through your network. So my advice is really look to see who's either been at a company that you wanna enter into uh, Uh, or was there at a different time, or is there currently, um, and create, and this is another tip, you might run into it as tip two or something, but establish what I call your personal board of directors. That personal board of directors is so valuable, right? So ensure that you have people inside your own company where you currently are, people outside of the company, people within the community, um, and really leverage and tap into those people to get advice, get direction um, take it all in, ingest it, and then really synthesize it and then make your decision, right? That's really key. And we'll talk about decision-making in a second and how important that is. But again, find who, you know, in these organizations, even if it's a friend of a friend, uh, and establish them and, and make contact and really get that guidance. <clears throat> and of course, offer help back because one never knows when, uh, when another person
0: needs help. Absolutely, absolutely. That is fantastic advice. Let's go to number four on the uh, leadership tips for women in tech, and that is self-reflection and self-awareness. Um, so this is a really interesting item on the list for me. Can can you explain why this is important and what this really looks like in practice? Self-awareness is not easy.
1: Um, it really it, it it you need to step out of yourself and look at yourself almost like you're a third person looking into yourself and understand everything that you've said. Reflect on what the conversation was with another person. Uh, Reflect on their comments, their body language, their intensity, their, their words. Read between the lines and then think about what you did and how you responded. And did you respond or did you react? There's a big difference, right? So if you're in a particular situation, try to take a few minutes. And if you have to like just breathe for longer periods of time, but just try to take a few minutes to listen carefully. Look at the situation as though you're a third party looking in, right? Understand and empathize with what the other person is saying. And then, like I said, take a deep breath, And think it through and respond and if you need more time to think it through take a day and think it through and then respond right so that you know that's the whole thing it's really like be very reflective on what you say what you do but also be reflective on other people's actions here's another thing we sit there all day and we worry about our stuff Right, we worry about our promotion. We worry about our salary. We worry about the other person. Is that other person going to get the job over me? Uh, what is that other group of people saying about me? I got news for people. They're worried about their stuff. They are sitting there not worried about you. They're worried about their situation. So take a break from what you're going through, what you're thinking about you, 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 or me, 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 and think about the other person's situation. That's what's really important. So that whole sort of reflection on conversations, words spoken, words unspoken, there's so much by words that are unspoken, moments of silence um, and reflect on what's being said and then think carefully about how you're gonna respond. And again, take yourself out of your shoes and think
0: about the other person. Those, Those are some of my
1: words of wisdom there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Joanne, in, in your personal experience, how do you ensure that self-reflection doesn't turn into self-doubt or doesn't morph into harsh self-criticism? Do you know what I mean? I, I feel like there's oh, I know a you fine mean. line to be walked there, right? Uh, to where you're reflecting on your actions and what you've done and to think through, you know, uh, what what you're doing, but then also not being so critical that you begin to doubt yourself, right?
1: That happens to me. I'm going to be super honest with you. I go down that rat hole sometimes and I have to physically stop myself. I will stop myself from being so hard on myself. And people have told me, you're, you're 10 times harder on yourself than other people are. Don't take it so deeply. And again, it's that we're thinking about me, 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 me. We're thinking about what did I just say? What did I just do? Other people are worried about their own world right now. So the things you think they noticed, they probably didn't notice, right? So stop analyzing to death um, and just, you know, think about, hey, how can I improve myself? And ask other people that question. What do you think I could do better in the next meeting? What could I have said differently? How could I have improved that? There's no shame in asking for feedback. Feedback is really important, right? And sometimes people are afraid to give feedback. So ask for it right so that'll help you and again physically stop you will go down a rat hole you will go into this imposter syndrome i'm try to think for yourself all the great things that you're capable of doing reinforce the positives make a laundry list i know i can do this i know i've got skills knowledge experience i can do these things i'm strong you know and i'm a good person i'm a smart person try not to drag yourself down because you are your own worst enemy. There is no question in my mind. Women beat themselves up all the time
0: and it's needless. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Joanne. So number three uh, on the list is the fact that we're moving from a product to an experience economy. So Mm. for people who are unfamiliar with those terms, Joanne, give us a quick breakdown of what that means from product to experience.
1: It's so easy. Let's talk about a perfect example that everyone uh, can relate to. So we used to buy uh, coffee from a coffee shop. You know, sometimes it was down the hall. Sometimes it was downstairs in the lobby, a little cafe in your sort of work environment. We'd go buy a 50 cent, well, I'm dating myself, a $1.50 cup of coffee. All right. It was a cup of coffee. You picked it up. It was in a styrofoam cup. You went upstairs, you drank it. That's a completely and vastly different experience than what you have today. Today, you're paying same coffee, roughly the same cost to produce that coffee. The beans are probably 10 cents, 20 cents. The cup, another few cents. And so, and the service, of course, but same coffee. Now you're spending six, seven, eight dollars on a cup of coffee. Why? There's a bunch of reasons why but the most important reason is because it's an experience. You're actually enjoying a cup of well-made coffee that's tasty, that has a lot of things added to it, you know, whipped creams and flavorings and things like that in a very comfortable leather chair, right? With Wi-Fi, doing your work, potentially with someone else. Hopefully these days, you know, we'll get back to normal, but potentially (laughs) with some colleagues, enjoying conversing checking emails doing some things that's an experience that's an end to end experience from the minute you walk into that place you stand in line you're surrounded by sights and sounds and smells and tasty treats music that's usually pretty cool again smells that just you know are heaven if you if you're a coffee drinker like me um, and just a really wonderful you know, service, people are smiling generally and they greet you and ask you what you'd like, Um, all kinds of different uh, accessories and things, coffee accessories and coffee pots and all kinds of things you can buy from a merchandising standpoint, that's an experience. And like I said, we pay more. So what happens is when you shift from being a product company to a solution company or a service or an experience company, you create a higher value for everybody concerned and higher margins for your business, right? So we've really shifted from being that you know product, features, functions, speeds, feeds, to creating experiences. And even if you're still very much a product-oriented company, think about what your, com- your your product does for your customers and the why. Why are they really purchasing this product from you? Once you understand the why, then you can create somewhat of an experience or tilt it towards an experience. It doesn't have to be so much of a a commodity. You can build trust and understand the value that they are going to realize from it and articulate that value. But at the end of the day, it's a whole different shift and it's emotional. So looking at your product or service and defining Sort of the journey that your customer takes with you in acquiring and consuming, uh, or enjoying that service. Think about all those touch points. Think about all those activities that happen between you and the co- customer, whether they're par- partially online, whether they're face to face, whether you see something online and then you go into the store to pick it up. Um, you know that whole omni-channel uh, type a- and multi-touch uh, type activity. Think that through very carefully and try to create that whole, I call it surround sound experience, right? That whole experience. That's what people will remember. That's when they come back, right? And that's what we're coaching and, and helping many of our customers with at J Curve is really, how do, you, how do you watch for those um, signs throughout the buying journey? What is the buying journey? What are the touch points in that buying journey? Can you automate some of those touch points? Can you make them more enjoyable? Can you make them more engaging? Um, Can you insert content? How can you make this experience really satisfying for someone? And then from there, I see businesses just take off.
0: So how can understanding this, uh, this dynamic and this shifting pattern from product to experience How can understanding that really help women better position themselves in technology companies to know what's coming down the line and what's the the current trend and what's going on in the future?
1: I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think we need to be lifelong learners. That's not a tip specifically called out, but we need to continue to learn and understand and look over three mountaintops and say, what's coming? What do people need? And look inside ourselves and reflect internally to say, what do I need? I'm a human being. You know, our DNA is 98.3% the same, right? But From one human to the next. So you're likely to hit on something if you like or dislike it, you're likely to you know, understand it yourself as a consumer. So look internally, look externally, talk to analysts, talk to, read research, um, talk to customers. I always say to my uh, uh, mentees, you know, you need to talk to customers five hours a week. Even if you're in marketing, that's okay. Even if you're in the back room, you need to talk to customers five hours a week minimum to understand what they need. So once you have all these data points, as I mentioned, from the market, reading research from customers, heck, set up a customer advisory board or your own, like I said, personal advisory board, take all this data, synthesize it, and then put forward recommendations to your company and have a point of view. I always say to people having a point of view actually causes people to lean in and listen to you. So if you start a sentence with, you know, I think, or I believe that the current way we're doing things is unsustainable and here's why change assumptions. Right, have a point of view when you have an opinion, people listen. Oh, my goodness, Joanne has an opinion, we need to listen to what she has to say. Right, so frame it like you're coming out with your opinion, back it up with data. So, have your qualitative point of view, back it up with data and quantify it. Right, and then go forward from there. I'm working with a company that where we're You know, we're disrupting a $13 trillion manufacturing market by uh, bringing forward a a digital manufacturing ecosystem, right? I use my facts and stats very, very wisely, right? I did a study for them. We came back and we found that 87% of customers uh, in the manufacturing world, or 87% of companies in the manufacturing world are doing digital transformation, but only 14% of them have a funded project. What is the alternative? Well, we believe that there is an alternative, right? Uh, We believe that fictive's digital manufacturing ecosystem can be that alternative if you can't get the funding. So use your facts and stats, do your research, and speak in the language of business, which by the way is another tip we're gonna get into in a second, I think. I think you picked that one, I'm not sure. Um, But speaking in that language of business, in the language of data and numbers, is going to get you heard, having that opinion, putting it forward, and backing it up.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic advice there. That was our number three on the list of top five leadership tips for women in tech. Number two is collaborate and partner with others. So there's been a saying for years, Joanne, to to always look out for number one, right? But in this case, you're saying collaborate and partner with others. Uh, So kind of talk us through that tip. So it goes beyond that. It's not only
1: collaborate. I have this no competition rule. People are like, what do you mean? Competition is important. You need to see what competition is doing. I don't know, these days to me, it's about partnerships and ecosystems, right? If you focus, and this is another thing I like to explain to people, focus, become a specialist in something, anything, be the best, right? So if you focus in a certain market, you've studied that market, you've analyzed it, you understand the total addressable space, you understand the Kagers. you understand the unmet and unspoken needs of that market and you can address those, right? You're not gonna have much competition. You can narrow your focus and I call it precision messaging. You can message so precisely into your unique differentiation that your, your competitors aren't really your competitors because they're not doing what you do and they're not targeting exactly the way you're targeting. And so at the end of the day, they might be your best partner, right? Put aside anywhere there might be a tiny bit of overlap, right? In terms of features and functions, but you can actually start to partner with your competitors, right? And say, Hey, I do this really, really well. I don't know that you do. And you do this really, really well. And I don't really do it that well. So why don't we team up. So to me, these days, especially with digital connecting us, I really believe in ecosystems. And I'm kind of shunning the whole, you know, you should keep an eye on what your competitors are doing. But there's more opportunity to partner than there is to compete these days, especially if you're precise.
0: Absolutely. I think I, I think that's some, some fantastic advice. You know, one of the things that I think Uh, could potentially be concerning for women is that maybe if they partner and collaborate with others, that they won't receive the the credit that they deserve for the work that they do in a specific area or on a certain product. But does collaborating and partnering really show um, maybe some of the leadership qualities that we're looking for more often in the modern workplace? A willingness to say, hey, this is what I specialize in, but I'm weak in this area. Does that does that willingness and that honesty really highlight maybe some of the leadership capabilities we're looking for in a modern leader?
1: Yes. You know, I have to tell you, you will shine through. Um, My mom always used to say, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, with people that are better than you. Right. Run with winners. In her Italian, broken Italian, that's how she used to explain (laughs) it to me. And I followed that advice my entire career. Uh, I was never shy about saying someone was better or someone was smarter. I was never shy about saying, hey, they did a really good job and giving credit where credit is due, or this was a team effort. It's not just me, it's the whole team. Being super um, thoughtful and inclusive about credit only makes you look like a better person right? It, it only highlights, you know, your willingness and your leadership, to be honest with you. And leadership's about inspiring others. So if you inspire other people and they all sort of rise up, that's a, that's good for everyone. And it, it shows through on you, right? It comes through on you. So uh, I always put other people forward and I think others should too. I think you should always Look at things as, you know, who helped you get where you are? How did, you know, you didn't do it on your own. There's no way. I tell my team that all the time. I could never do what I get done without this team. And so push the credit back to the team uh, or other women. It's okay, right? It comes through, uh, you know, everything that was done always comes through. And what's wrong with getting team credit? Why does it have to be individual credit, right?
0: Right, right. It's
1: great. It's great.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, we've reached our number one tip, uh, top number one tip for uh, for women in technology, and this is create a strategic plan and be a leader regardless of your title. Joanne, I love this. I think this is an absolute <laughs> slam dunk of a tip. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. That creating a strategic plan, what that looks like, and how people can do that regardless of what their title is.
1: My goodness, it's so easy. First of all, let's let's unpack this because there's a lot in that one tip. First of all, leadership's not a title. It's not that like that, that, has nothing to do with a title. Leadership comes from passion, right? Your passion inside. When you have passion at the core, it emanates out. People see that they get inspired by that. When you actually then act on the things you're going to say, you're going to do, right? I always say leadership is really more about actions, not words. When they see you act, right? Then they're like, now there's, there's trust starting to be built, right? So you build trust through your actions, right? So that whole piece about leadership is not a title. No one needs a title to do what I just described, right? You Mm -hmm. can, You can build a vision and you can inspire others through your passion. You can show actions, get everyone sort of rallied and excited about what you're saying. And I've seen this in meetings. I've seen women, I've seen men, you know, stand up and say, you know, I really feel strongly about X, Y, Z. And you get the people leaning in and listening, right? Everyone leans in and listens because they're hearing the passion. Uh, Then, like I say, you back it up with facts. You always back everything up with data. Um, And that to me is, you know, the essence of then starting to build that plan. So capture, so the steps in in terms of a strategic plan are capture your passion in some kind of mission statement, right? And whether it's to make the world a better place, whether it's to um, create better patient care if you're in the healthcare business, to improve learning and education, if you're in the learning and education business, uh, whether it's to improve the buyer experience if you're in retail, whatever sort of segment you're in or whatever your passion is. I've, I saw someone come to us when I worked at Jabil uh, in the design studio and said, my passion is to give people more comfortable feet. I want a 3D scan and 3D print insoles so that your foot has an exact match uh you know insole wise you're matched exactly and i'm going to put a corrective property in it a, a corrective piece in it to make sure that your foot gets better so that you're walking better he had a passion for making my feet more comfortable and i'm sitting there going how did you know my feet were not comfortable at trade shows and walking around all in airports all day and everything i really need your solution he had a passion he got people to you know, rallied people around him, raised capital. It was incredible, right? So that's why I say the first thing is capture the passion, even if it's, I want to make people have more comfortable feet in the world, you know, or I want to, you know, again, make the you know, patient experience better, capture it, right? Once you've captured that vision, then you need a strategy to activate the vision, right? So a strategy is easy. All strategy means is what are you going to do? What are you going to focus on what are you going to invest in to drive that vision forward so if your strategy is all over the map not a good thing right you pick three or four high leverage i call them high leverage activities and then you focus on them and those three or four high leverage activities are what you have to stay laser focused on and you've got to pick them right so don't just jump to say i'm going to do these four things right research them so Do the right things. And once you've picked them and invested in them, then do them right. Now, doing them right is execution, right? So vision, top three or four things that are gonna activate that vision, and then execution, actual work. And no distractions, right? You've gotta be a little bit ruthless about this. I I have been because I've done some major projects in my career. Uh, building up the Blue Sky Center at Jabel, right? The Blue Sky Center was a 100,000 square foot innovation center in the heart of Silicon Valley. Robots, 3D printers, all kinds of cool wearable devices, all kinds of engineering people, expertise. It was just a major production, right? And we had to design it. We had to get all of the art inside. We had to get all of the experience right in terms of the flow and how do people move through the Blue Sky Center? What do they see? Who do they speak to? Um, That whole thing, you know, sort of comes together. And that was a few. I would say three or four high leverage activities that we focused on for 12 months. And by gosh, we opened it on time, April 30th, 2015. 37 journalists were there, you know, a thousand customers and employees were there. And we, and the mayor was there of San Jose, and we opened that thing. But we focused, right? It was one of the most exciting projects I've ever been involved in. Right, A lot of people came to me and said, Joanne, can we go do this trade show? Joanne, can we go do this thing over here? I said, no, we're not doing random acts of anything. We're focusing on building this blue sky center. It didn't always like, it wasn't always met with, you know, uh, enthusiasm, let's put it that way, but we got the job done and everyone was happy. The same thing with the HP Sales University. We said we had to open that thing up by December, 2010, We opened it up by December, 2010. You know, we had the Senator there, the state Senator was there. We had our mayor there, all our executives were there. We had a grand opening, but that again, only happened because we focused on four things, right? So vision, strategy, the things you will do, and then doing them, executing. And you know, that old saying, right? Strategy without execution is hallucination. It's true. I have seen so many people in my life, in my career, kind of like pontificate about what they're going to do and be, you know, str- strategic, but they were missing that other side. It's great to be strategic. You need to be strategic. You need to be strategic to be taken seriously, right? But if you want to be taken more seriously, you will get things done. You will execute. And as a leader, if you're the leader of that particular program or project, your job is is to move obstacles. It is not to manage tasks, it is to manage people. So there you have it. I unpacked a whole thing on strategic planning, right? From top to bottom, uh, even, you know, in terms of how you execute and, and keep, you know, keep your focus on things. Um, And then if you're a leader, you know, in, in a managerial role, make sure you're managing to the people, growing them, coaching them guiding them right asking them tough questions that's your job as a leader ask people tough questions make them think and sometimes you say no and it's hard but you say no right so those are sort of the you know that's sort of your role as a leader driving a major uh, major initiative
0: that's my advice <laughs> That is such an amazingly comprehensive answer. I don't even think I have a follow-up question. Um, so uh, that is Joan Moretti, and she uh, has shared her top five leadership tips for women in tech. Thanks. Joan, uh, tell us a little bit more about where people can find more information on you, where they can learn more, uh, maybe read more of, of your tips and your thoughts in this area, and also maybe learn more about J-Curve Digital. Yeah,
1: so that's easy. Just go to uh, www.jcurve.digital. All alloneword.com, and uh, you can reach me by hitting me at uh, Joanne at jcurvedigital.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at, at Joanne, J-O-A-N-N, Moretti, M-O-R-E-T-T-I, all one word. Um, I love new followers, and I love engaging, and we talk about some serious stuff. Sometimes we just have fun and share pictures of our dogs uh, or cats, um, but uh, love engaging with people. Uh, never stop learning never stop engaging Um, it's you've got the future ahead of you honestly there's so many awesome opportunities in this world
0: well Joanne Moretti thank you so much for joining us here on Nokia's women in technology series and sharing your insights I think that they were just incredibly valuable insights that you've shared here today so Joanne thank you again so much for joining us
1: my pleasure thank you
0: And everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode of Nokia's Women in Technology series. We are just getting started and we're gonna be back with many more episodes with a lot more insight as well. And so stick around, there's going to be more episodes, but until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for watching.